You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. My favorite place in all of New York City is a spot I previously didn't tell people about because I wanted to keep it for myself. I fell in love with this space from my very first visit. With its floor-to-ceiling windows and walls covered in books and portraits of authors like Toni Morrison. The place I'm talking about is called the Center for Fiction, and it's a literary nonprofit in Brooklyn. I've attended authors' panels in their community space. I've shared wine and pastries in their cafe with friends. I've purchased books from the Center's indie bookstore. I even paid to be a member of the Center for Fiction's Lending Library, which happens to be one of the oldest private library collections in the U.S. Because it's the only place in New York where, the minute I walk in, all the tension that builds in my body over time from living on an island with millions of other humans instantly leaves me. The Center for Fiction is where I go to read and buy books. And like most places in New York right now, it's closed. I think the importance of a bookstore is that it's a community space. And so one of the biggest things we're doing right now is just trying to figure out how to be a community space uh, when we can't physically gather in our beautiful glass box of books. Riley Renhack works at the Center for Fiction. As the bookstore's floor manager, she's the person who greets you at the checkout desk and asks you questions to make sure you got exactly the kind of book you were hoping to get. But since the center shut down... Her checkout desk has moved to her home, where she now processes online orders. I asked her how the pandemic has affected the bookstore. It's an indie bookstore. I mean, it's we're pretty lo-fi. That's kind of the bookstore thing. Web orders were not a big uh, part of our sales before this. Um, I didn't do a lot of shipping to people. I had never done a direct-to-home. Now it's only that. Book selling is always about the individual interaction. and. Now those interactions are even more individual in a weird way because it's all phone calls and emails. And even if it's an online order that someone submits, those are processed manually by me. It's different in that I can't walk up to my wall of books and touch everything and think about it in that way. I feel like every day is not necessarily trying to win a race, but just keep treading water until we can get back in the ship where someone throws us a flotation device. Along those lines, do you think that this is sustainable? Do you think do you think the bookstore will survive? Ooh, I hope the bookstore survives. I hate to break it to the world, but indie bookstores have never been like great money makers. Even, you know, back in January, if someone is walking into the Center for Fiction to buy a book versus buying it on Amazon, they're making a bad financial decision, I guess. 
because they're spending more money than they, they would. But then you have to figure out what do you value? Like, do you value being able to talk to a bookseller? Do you value being able to like go into a space? It is weird that we're going from please come in, please come in, please come in to please stay home and order online when that was never a thing. It's kind of forcing everybody to catch up. The problem that Riley and the folks at the Center for Fiction are now facing is a common one for indie bookstores. Because of the pandemic, these businesses suddenly have to make a hard pivot to selling their tomes online. And I don't know how that'll work out for the Center. What I do know is that I've bought five books from them online in the last two weeks. Because I'm worried. So, today on the show, how are indie bookstores adapting to the online life? And I chat with the CEO of a company that wants to help indie bookstores get through this. I'm Ariel Zemros. This is Reset. I don't know about you, but prior to the pandemic, I never ordered a book from an indie bookstore and had it sent to my home. The thought never would have occurred to me. But because bookstores aren't considered essential services in most parts of the U.S., that's what a lot of these independent businesses are doing right now, which is kind of mind-blowing. For me, bookstores exist as a counterpoint to online ordering. They are actual, real-life places to go and touch and smell books and flip pages. And to be honest, indie bookstore websites reflect that. Some are set up for online ordering, but many aren't, because they never had to be. One company is trying to fix that, though. Andy Hunter is the founder and CEO of Bookshop.org, a website that launched in January. Bookshop.org is a website that allows independent bookstores to sell books online in a way that is competitive with Amazon and lets all the mom-and-pop local bookstores provide online sales at the same kind of level, efficiency, inventory levels that Amazon has so that their customers can support them and get a lot of resource-strapped stores that wouldn't otherwise be able to compete with Amazon. gives them a platform that's totally free to use that allows them to sell to their customers and be supported by their loyal customers like 24-7. So Andy launched Bookshop.org this year with the aim of competing against Amazon's bookselling business. I asked him how he ended up starting this thing, which frankly seems like a wild idea. Everybody thinks that competing against Amazon is pretty much the stupidest business plan anybody can have. But I did find, eventually, some investors who believed in it because they believe in local bookstores. We built it in seven months and launched in late January. But what we didn't realize is that we were going to be launching it in this pandemic, and it was going to become much more important much quicker than we ever thought it would. So how does bookshop.org work? Well, if you go to the company's website, it's just a place to buy books online. But if you visit the website of an indie bookstore that's partnered with Bookshop.org, you get an easy-to-use website where all the profit from a sale goes to that specific indie bookstore. All of it. We're just kind of a layer in between the bookstores who already have their loyal customers and a big wholesaler, Ingram, 
which is the largest book wholesaler in the country, who has warehouses all over the country and is pretty much the only place that could ever compete with Amazon in terms of inventory and efficiency of shipping. So we partnered with Ingram and they ship directly to the customer. And that solved a ton of problems. If you're like a 500-square-foot bookstore in Nashville, Tennessee, you're never going to have the inventory that Amazon has. And you're going to have trouble filling online orders. You're not going to have the resources maybe to spend a lot of money on a website that'll even take online orders, much less to pay a staff to fulfill them. But giving indie bookstores access to a customer-friendly online ordering system isn't the only problem that Bookshop is trying to solve. There's also the pesky issue of Amazon's affiliate links. One of the reasons Amazon's grown so much so fast is because they have what's called an affiliate program. And that affiliate program pays a 4.5% commission off of every book sale somebody sends their way. So if you read about a book on the New Yorker's website or Oprah Magazine's website or the New York Times, most of the time you're going to find a link to Amazon in that book coverage. And so they're supporting their book coverage as well they should by trying to earn revenue any way they can. They have to pay their writers. They've got to pay their costs. Like They need to support it. And I love book coverage. I want there to be book coverage everywhere all the time. So I think it's really essential that they have affiliate links and that they can earn commissions off of those sales. Right. So basically, if I'm a journalist who's written about a book and I put an Amazon link to the book in my article... The website that I work for might have an agreement with Amazon where anyone who buys the book through that link, the website will get a cut. Yes, the news website will. And those affiliate links are now accounting for about 20% of the average publication's revenue per every year. Hmm. And Amazon was the only game in town. So anybody that wanted to write about books, that wanted to support their book coverage through affiliate links, had to link to Amazon. I see. So we created an alternate affiliate program. And we give 10% instead of 4.5% to our affiliates. And in addition to that 10% that we give to the publication, we give a matching 10% to independent bookstores, which goes into a pool, which is divided among the bookstores every six months. So that bookstores benefit from 10% and the publications benefit from 10%. We're giving away 20% of all of these sales, but um, it, it rewards everybody that's part of that ecosystem. It rewards everybody that's advocating for books as part of their jobs. So you've really set this up so that if I'm a customer who goes on bookshop.org through some affiliate link and I'm not specifically shopping on a, a specific bookstore's page, a cut of that money will still end up going to indie bookstores that have signed up for your service. That's right. It's impossible to buy a book on Bookshop and not give money to independent bookstores. Andy, you launched earlier this year, and within a really short period of time, the pandemic had a huge impact on bookstores around the country. So how is bookshop.org doing in the age of coronavirus? So we've had some great successes recently. BuzzFeed launched its bookshop links last week. The New York Times is probably going to launch their bookshop links this week. Um, Box, New York Magazine, Slate, they've all started linking to Bookshop. Right. So full disclosure, Vox Media recently started using Bookshop.org affiliate links. Um, yeah, it's just starting. Have more bookstores signed up for your service because of this pandemic? Have you actually seen the number of bookstores who want to use Bookshop go up? Yes, we've seen it double. 
we've seen it double and we've seen our sales um, go up 2,000% now. We have raised about a half million dollars and most of that half million dollars is in the past three weeks. So how many bookstores did you have, you know, before all this happened and, and how many bookstores do you have now who are working with you? Yeah, at the end of February, we had about 270 um, and now we have 465. I am wondering, people aren't spending as much money as they used to because a lot of them aren't making any income. A lot of people have lost their jobs. And so given that a lot of people aren't even making any money now, is it reasonable to ask people to spend more money on a book at a place like bookshop.org than to, to spend money for a book on Amazon where they might be able to get it for cheaper? Is that a reasonable demand? I think it is. Um, first of all, it's not that much cheaper on Amazon. We, we do have some discounts and, you know, it might be a buck cheaper on Amazon or two, to, two bucks cheaper on Amazon. But, but what kind of world do we want to leave our doors and enter into in two months? You know, and it's, it's not just independent bookstores that we care about. Of course, it's every retailer and, and every restaurant and all of these things that make our communities what they are. The one silver lining we've had during this whole crisis is watching people support each other and to look out for, for the collective good. So that's what's driving our sales. And I think, you know, of course, it's not reasonable if you really can't afford it. If that dollar is a dollar that's going to feed your children, then by all means, buy the cheapest book you possibly can. But the stakes here are much greater than that dollar. It's about keeping our communities together and keeping our downtowns the way that they were when we emerged from this. I'm wondering, how do you feel about the fact that the reason why you started Bookshop is because you love bookstores. You love the physical ability to go into these stores. You love books. You think that it's important to support indie bookstores. And the thing that you're doing to support them is basically the concept of, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. Because you're, you're sort of turning these indie bookstores into places where people go and, and shop online. Uh, how do you feel about that? It's a great point. I think that people are shopping online more and more every year. People who love independent bookstores like me are buying more stuff online. It's just the way it is going. Like this isn't about switching anybody from buying books in bookstores and getting them to start shopping online. In fact, that's the last thing I would ever want to do. But this is about recognizing that you already are. If we can get 1% of that back into the indie channel, then these bookstores are going to be in so much better financial shape and they're going to be so much stronger. So, you know, it's not about beating Amazon either. It's just about snatching a crumb from the giant's mouth. Andy Hunter is the CEO of bookshop.org. Andy, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you for having me. After the break, are online sales enough to keep indie bookstores going? There's this kind of very rare chance to disrupt people's built-in instinct that if you want a book shipped to your house in an easy and seamless way, obviously Amazon is the way to go. Right now, that's not true, which is very, very rare. This is Reset. This week on The Gray Area, Professor Diana Posulka and I tackle one of life's biggest questions. Are we alone in the universe? What would it take for you to step off the agnostic ledge and say, yeah, 
Aliens are real. Is it a spacecraft landing on the White House lawn? Well, something that was anomalous in 1952 did fly over the White House. And that's one of those cases that is still weird. (laughs) That's This Week on the Gray Area, available wherever you get your podcasts. Constance Grady is a staff writer for Vox who focuses on books and book culture. I asked her, since so many people have been forced to stay inside, does that mean people are reading more right now? So book sales have fallen right now, but I do think books are very attractive for a lot of people in this moment. And I am biased, of course, because I read about books. But for one thing, books are offering an escape from the situation we find ourselves in now. It's also, I think, very attractive to read a book because it's a finite thing. You know, you're not caught in the endless eternal scroll of Twitter or Instagram or whatever you're looking at. That's just like a nonstop slew of horrible things happening. You're looking at something with a beginning, middle and an end that's incredibly satisfying right now. What are some of the major issues that indie bookstores are experiencing because of the pandemic right now? So indie bookstores are in a similar position to a lot of other small businesses. You know, they're working in an industry with very, very low margins. They're also non-essential businesses that have had to close like many other small businesses. But to add to their problems, a big revenue stream for most indie bookstores is community events. You know, they're places where people go to host book clubs or book signings or readings. And that is how they end up selling a lot of their books. And right now, that's not something that they can do because everyone is inside in their homes. So they're really kind of scrambling to find different ways of monetizing their business and staying afloat for as long as this keeps going. And so how are bookstores adapting? So bookstores are selling books online. Uh, Some of them are also doing curbside delivery or doing phone orders. Um, There have been a couple bookstores who are putting together things like care packages. I think um, the romance bookstore, uh, The Ripped Bodice, has started doing a thing where people will write to them and say, you know, I just want a book that will make me happy. And they'll be like, "Okay, we're sending you a box. Um, So they're trying to find different ways of reaching their customer base. But it is a huge challenge for them. So how is that actually going? Publishers Weekly did a survey of independent bookstores, and what they found is that a lot of stores have had to either do layoffs or furloughs. Um, Some of them have been pretty famous. I think uh, Powell's in the West Coast. In New York, two of the most famous bookstores in the city, The Strand and McNally Jackson, have both had to lay off workers. Um, Those are both huge sort of institutional bookstores. So what have people in the bookstore world, you know, you know, the the literary world have been saying about alternatives to Amazon like like bookshop.org? So bookshop.org is obviously very new, but most of the people that I have seen talking about it have been extremely excited about it. In part, this is a perfect moment for it because Amazon right now is not prioritizing delivering books. There's this kind of very rare chance to disrupt people's built-in instinct that if you want a book shipped to your house in an easy and seamless way, obviously Amazon is the way to go. Right now, that's not true, which is very, very rare. 
Can you explain just a little bit more why Amazon is not prioritizing books? So right now, because so many people are ordering their groceries and medical supplies and household supplies through delivery services, Amazon is one of the primary delivery services people can use. So they are prioritizing medical supplies and things that are necessary for life right now and non-necessities are sort of falling to the wayside. Okay, and Amazon considers books non-necessities. What do you think of that? I mean, I get it. You know, if people need groceries, like, you do need to eat before you can read. You know, I was really hoping for you to be outraged, but I I respect the measured response that you're giving me right now. (laughs) So going back to bookshop.org for a minute, what do you think of what they're doing? So on my end, I'm just very excited that now when I cover a book, I have an option of a place to link to that's not Amazon. You know, whenever I write a book review, I have to provide a link for readers to be able to learn more about the book and maybe buy it if they want to. And for me, for a really long time, the only place I could link to was Amazon. So it's really exciting to me to have some options beyond that and not feel like I'm just creating a pipeline directly from my readers to this giant mega company. And from what I understand, one of the reasons why you're linking to Bookshop is because Vox.com actually has a book club right now, right? Yes, we um, are just starting a new book club. We have posts going up every Friday. Um, we're reading N.K. Jemison's The City We Became, which is truly a now more than ever book. Yeah. Uh, so come hang out with us. All right. Are there any downsides to bookshop.org in your mind? So the big downside I've heard people discuss is that if you order a book directly from an indie bookstore's website, if they're an indie bookstore that has a website, not all of them do, um, then they'll get a bigger cut of the profits. Bookshop.org is benefiting indie bookstores, but because it's a centralized website, it's a smaller cut that's going to them. So there have been a few bookstores that have reported a small fall in revenue from online orders because people are going to bookshop rather than going directly through them. Um, I think that's sort of the the trade-off that you get with a big centralized location. Do you think that indie bookstores are going to survive? I think that the industry is more resilient than it gives itself credit for. And I think in the end, people are going to still want and need to be able to read. And I think indie bookstores uh, as an industry are going to survive. I think for specific indie bookstores, it will be really hard and some of them make very well close. If I'm a reader and I want to support indie bookstores right now, what's the best way for me to do that? So if you have a local indie bookstore that you love and you really want to support it, the best thing to do is to go on their website or call them and find a way that they are taking orders right now. Um, Buy a book from them, buy a gift card maybe, figure out a way that will get profit directly to them. If you don't have a specific indie bookstore that you really want to support and you just want to do something for the industry in general, then bookshop.org is a great solution. All right. Constance Grady is a staff writer for Vox. Constance, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, Oh, actually, one last thing. What are you reading right now? Uh, Such a good question. Um, I am reading an old comfort read, actually. It's it's called Sunshine by Robin McKinley. It's um, about a coffee shop baker and a vampire. It's so comforting to me. 
um, I highly recommend to anyone who likes a little fantasy. Oh, I love that. That's wonderful. Instinct, by the way, I'm rereading a childhood uh, fan favorite of mine, uh, a fantasy novel uh, called The Dragonbone Chair by Tad Williams right now. So that's where I'm at. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much, Constance. Yeah, thank you. We reached out to Amazon about its book sales and book deliveries during the pandemic. A spokesperson said, quote, We are seeing strong customer demand for books, particularly children's books and educational titles. I'm Ariel Zemros, and this is Reset. We publish episodes three times a week on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays. So if you haven't already, subscribe to the pod. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or in your favorite podcast app. And if you like what you hear, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find the show. If you want to get in touch with me, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at ADRS. You can also reach the Reset team by emailing reset at vox.com. We'll be back on Thursday. Later, nerds. <laughs>